text for the sermon this day is taken from 1 Corinthians 13, which was read earlier. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If somebody were to take a random survey of those outside of the church and were to ask them what verses of the Bible they are most familiar with, I would imagine that 1 Corinthians 13 would probably rank towards the top. They all know it as the love chapter or the love poem. And the reason is, is because it is very often read at weddings. But I am of the mind that this is not actually ideal for weddings. The more ideal passage is Ephesians 5, but people don't like that one as much. But the reason is, is because when we read 1 Corinthians 13 at a wedding, we might be led to believe, to think, that Paul is talking about marriage. And he isn't. You read in the context of this letter to the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth is a church that thought about anything and everything they could think about. If they, had carpet to, if they had carpet in their churches, they probably would have fought over that. That's the kind of church it was. And so Paul, much of the letter is Paul dealing with their divisions. Chapter 11, he talks about the, La- the Lord's Supper, a meal that we partake of, which celebrates our unity as Christians. There he was very critical of that the church in Corinth, because they were not coming united. Chapter 12 talks about the body of Christ, saying that an eye cannot say to the ear that it doesn't need it, that each member of the body of Christ is of equal importance and equal value. And this sets up this chapter where he says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Here, he is charging the church in Corinth that they are failing to love one another. This is not a charge of love between husband and wife. This is a charge of love between members of the body of Christ. This is not just how we're to love our spouse. This is how we are to love every Christian. Whether they are members of St. John or members of another church or another congregation. 
Notice that in the, in the New Testament, they call it the church at Corinth, the church at Rome. And the reason is, is because they're all the same church. They're just in different locations. As we are in a tri-parish, we kind of have a nice little sampling of this. We actually are one church. And by the way, St. Paul's and Hartley is also part of that same church. We just happen to gather in different locations. That, and so you take that reality and you read this when it says love is patient and kind, that means we are to be patient with every Christian we come into, every single one of our brothers and sisters in Christ. That means even if you're inside of a grocery store and the line is getting too long, whether it's the fault of the, whether you think it's the fault of the person in front of you, or it's the person at the checkout line, the cashier, you are to be patient. You are to be kind. That is how we are to be. If they mess up our order when we sit down, we go and eat. We are to be patient. We are to be kind about it. If they're ta- whatever reasons we come up with to be not patient, we are to be. But we know just from those examples or even just being dealing with traffic, maybe at, in Spirit Lake during the summer, you know that your patience, patience can definitely be put to the test. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. So again, thinking of marriage, we joke very often about who is always right in a marriage, and we usually joke that it's always the wife. But in love, we don't care about who's right. All we care about, as it says a little bit later, is the truth. We don't care if we're right, they're right, or we're both wrong. All we care is that we arrive at the truth. Love rejoices in truth, not being right and the other being wrong. We are not irritable or resentful. And this is the ESV. I don't like that translation is resentful. The better, I like the, better, the translation of the NIV where it says, keeping no record of wrongs. How easily do we, especially as church bodies, very often congregations can keep records of wrongs for many, many, many years. We might remember that something that someone said or did at a voters meeting 20 years ago. Or as I've learned in um, one of the other, congregation, the other congregations, they can hold on to grudges for over 100 years and not know what the grudge is. That is the records of wrongs and very common in the church. And yet we are commanded to be exactly the opposite. To not be keeping record of wrong. You read this 
challenge this whole section of what it means to love, and we realize for one, probably from the husband and wife context, even in marriage, we people tend to fail. But how much more do we fail when it comes to every other person we come into contact with? This paragraph, this chapter, was condemning to the people in Corinth. And it's condemning to us. And it's in this condemnation we also see hope in this chapter. Because in the Greek, it literally says, the love is patient and kind. The love does not envy or boast. It has that definite article right before the word love. Letting us know that love is not an action. It's not a feeling. It is a person. You all know, many of you should know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. But how many of you know 1 John 3.16? By this we know love, that He laid down His life for us. In the NIV, they try to spoon-feed us that translation. So here's a good case. A minute ago, the NIV was strong. In this moment, the ESV is strong. But in this moment, it says, By this we know love, that He... If you know how pronouns work, you've got to figure out who is He. Love is He. Love laid down His life. For us. In chapter 4, it says, Beloved, do not believe. Sorry, wrong place. Sorry, chapter 4, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love God does not love, does not know God, because God is love. Jesus is patient and kind. Look at how many dumb and stupid things his disciples say throughout the Gospels. And yet you don't see Jesus turning around and smacking them. And frankly, probably if we were in that position, at times we probably would want to. It's like, get, get it straight. Can't you guys figure out what's going on? Jesus has patience. He has patience with us. How many stupid things do we say, think, and do? And yet none of us have been struck by lightning anytime lately, have we? We deserve God's wrath. We deserve His anger. We deserve eternal punishment, eternal damnation. But He does not keep a record of our wrongs. He is not boastful. When he was asked, when they tried to make him the king, an earthly king, he refused it. Our God, Jesus, is love incarnate. 
Love in, in flesh and blood and bone. The gospel lesson. It says here, Jesus giving his prediction. We are going up to Jerusalem. And everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles. And will be mocked. And shamefully treated. And spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. This is how much he loves you. This mo- the mockery that he received. The shameful treatment. The being spat upon. The being beaten and tortured. We deserve that. The wrath that should have been ours was laid on him. For as he himself said, greater love hath no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. We fast approach this Lenten season where our hearts and minds are focusing and readying itself for the meditation upon Jesus' passion. Because that is the extent of his love. That is what love is. Love died on the cross for you, for me. Love rose from the dead. And his mess, the message of who he is and what he has done has gone forth into the world. And in the waters of baptism, you were clothed with love. In the Lord's, every time you hear the word, love is filling your ears, filling your heart. When you partake of the Lord's Supper in a little bit, in the bread and the wine is love itself. He enters into you, you taste him. And it's for this reason we pray this prayer afterwards. We give thanks to you, Almighty God. That you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy, you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and fervent love toward one another. See, by the grace of our God, by the power of love given to us, we are enabled to love our neighbors. We are enabled to be patient and kind. We are enabled to know not to keep record of wrongs because we know our God has, done this, has not kept a record of our wrongs. We endure all things. We believe all things. We hope all things. Because the love, Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, died for you. He loved you in that way. Therefore, we ought to love one another in the same manner. And when we fail, drop to your knees. Come to the throne of grace. Ask for forgiveness and know that it is received. It is given. May this love move you, 
Especially next week is Valentine's Day. Use it as a week to charge, to love not only your spouse, not only a significant other, but all people. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ keep you in the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen. Please stand.